Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Good evening and welcome to Eyewitness News Live from our studio here at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, Accra. My name is Zoe Abubeduadu and this evening I'm here with Akosia Ofewa Opoku. Coming up. They can defeat us at the committee, but I strongly believe that when we come to the floor, all the 137 NDC MPs will stand firm with the ordinary Ghanaian in ensuring that Ilevi does not see the light of the day. Parliament still sharply divided over the passage of the electronic transaction levy as chairman of the finance committee exercises his casting vote, making it possible for the committee to allow for emergency consideration of the bill. Meanwhile, mobile money agents have threatened to embark on a strike on Thursday. We'll be speaking to them for more on this. Also, former President John Dramani Mahama takes a swipe at President Ekufado describing him as a poor leader, he's also been giving some answers to the president's question on proffering an answer on what policy the NDC has made in the last five years. And later, government temporarily bans travelers from South Korea, Israel and Malta as it expresses concern over the surging cases of the new Omicron variant. And in business... Mobile money operators in the country commit to reduce their person-to-person -person transfer fees by up to 25% should the E-Levy bill be passed in Parliament today. Natalie Nete joins us in the next 15 minutes for more in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on all our affiliates. Um, if you are in the Western region, we are on Premier 105.5 FM in Takra, the Buno region, Greener. 95.9 FM in Sunyani, in the Ashanti region, we are on Orange FM, 107.9 in Kumasi, Eastern region, Right FM, 90.1 in Somenya, Volta region, Holy FM, 98.5 in Ahlao, Northern region, Dasuma, 99.1 FM in Yendi, Upper East, Word FM, 88.3 in Zwarungu, and in the Upper West region, we are on Bugli Radio, 88.6 FM in Wow. We are also live around the globe on citynewsroom.com. Your comments are welcome via WhatsApp line 0549-986-996. You can also follow me on Twitter at Zoe Abubedu. The hashtag is City Newsroom. Akusia has a first story. The minority in Parliament has resolved to press on with its opposition to the passage of the electronic transaction levy, E-Levy. The renewed resolve follows the failure of several amendments made at the Finance Committee level to pass during consideration. According to the ranking member on the Finance Committee of Parliament, Dr. Kaysola Tufosin, after voting at the committee ended in a tie on a couple of occasions, the chairman had to make a determination based on the power of casting vote. Here is Dr. Kaysola Tufosin. This morning at 10 o'clock, the Finance Committee held a meeting, and we have just come out from the meeting. At the meeting, we needed to first determine whether we can consider the electronic transfer levy bill before us as on a certificate of agency or not. At that point, 
we in the minority argued that it cannot be considered under certificate of urgency for a simple reason that we have received petition from the Ghana Chamber of Telecommunication. In fact, the Ghana Chamber of Telecommunications on the 1st of December 2021 wrote a letter to the Right Honorable Speaker, the Parliament of Ghana, Accra, and to the attention of the Honorable Joseph Osewusu for us to listen to them, first invite them and listen to them. And they believe that they have an alternative way of generating revenue as against what the government seeks to do. And they have actually tabulated the negative impact of this levy to parliament. We argue that it is important that government or parliament of Ghana, at the minimum, meet with them and listen to them. The MPP majority in parliament had said that they do not believe that. Apart from that, we also showed an evidence being a letter or a press statement that has been released by the e-commerce association of ghana and we also said that there was the need for us to invite the e-commerce association of ghana for the purposes of them feeding us in as to what they believe will be the negative impact of this bill if it goes through again we've also we also saw last night that the mobile money agent association of ghana had issued a public notice that they are going to embark on a demonstration. We felt there was the need, at the minimum, to meet with them and listen to them. Because we in the minority believe that our power is with the people. And we are here representing the people. And for any reason, any time you are going to through legislations, there's the need for you to invite public memorandums. And this is most important, uh, a particular bill of this nature that everyone is complaining about. There's the need for us to listen to people. The MPP majority decided not to listen to us. We in the NDC, led by myself, invoke our standing orders, order 211, that calls for a division. So we subjected the decision to a vote. At that point, the NDC 12 members on the committee voted against it and the MPP 12 members of the committee, without the chairman, voted in favor of the motion that they should carry it on a certificate of urgency. You agree with me that if you look at order 2115, the chairman of the committee does not have an initial vote, original. but he, or an original vote, but he only has a casting vote. The chairman decided to exercise his right under the casting vote and voted in favor for us to consider the uh, e-levy and the certificate of agency. Without understanding the need for us to listen carefully to the people that have, uh, that have issued press releases and others that have submitted um, pop, uh, memorandum to parliament. We are sad. We are sad not only because we lost, but we felt that the MPP does not believe in democracy, and if they are determined to do something, they want to push it regardless of the cost. We then decided to sit in and not to boycott the processes. We do not believe that we should boycott it, and we should sit in and where possible, as much as we can, we get 
the, um, the bill improved or deleted completely. To start with, we propose that we delete the clause one of the bill that imposed the tax at 1.75%. We have said that we do not believe that mobile money transactions should be taxed. Our posture is that don't tax Momo. Don't tax Momo. And we signaled it that we do not believe that mobile money services should be taxed. We believe that mobile money service is only a medium of exchange. And of course, it's a choice. And if you care is not taken and you subject it to tax, since the demand is elastic, it may affect the, the, the use of the service and it will derail all the gains Ghana has made in a cash light economy. The MPP again did not listen. We voted again using the outstanding orders, say, uh, uh, order 211, and they won using the same approach. First, it was a tie, and second, the chairman decided to exercise his right under order 2115. So they carried the day again. We sat in and again said that we do not believe that a clause five in the second schedule that talks about the fact that they, should, they are going to tax what we call the um, um, individual, individual bank transfers, which means that if I sit here today and decide to pay my children's school fees, and then probably instead of going to the bank to pay cash, I decide to sit maybe in Parliament and then transfer it electronically. This insensitive NPP government is telling us that they are going to subject that to another tax of 1.75%. We cannot accept that. This is the first time I'm seeing a tax of this, of this kind. In fact, I have followed tax policy globally for a very long time. I have not seen a tax policy of this kind before and do not believe that this should be allowed to stand. I want to say that we in the minority will not stop there. We will take the fight to the plenary. We will fight for the ordinary Ghanaian and we will ensure that Elevi will die today. They can defeat us at the committee, but I strongly believe that when we come to the floor, all the 137 NDC MPs will stand firm by the with the ordinary Ghanaian in ensuring that Elevi does not see the light of the day. We don't believe in this tax policy. A tax policy that seeks to tax a medium of exchange is a policy that should not be entertained. We have only two types of taxes. Either direct tax, that seeks to tax income, or indirect tax, which in other words you can call it expenditure tax. This is a tax on a medium of exchange, a tax on pensions, a tax on capital, a tax that cannot be allowed to stand. So our position is simple. We will not compromise. We will not accept dialogue. We are going in with a simple position that we are going to vote against it. We will introduce a number of amendments by ensuring that this tax does not see the light of the day. So that is what I can say for now, but I can assure you that we will fight for the ordinary Ghanaian. All individuals, your money in your bank accounts, when you transfer it through any other individual or transfer it to any other person, they want to tax 1.75. But even more importantly, the minister did indicate to all of you that he was going to engage us further. He told you when he held a press conference. At the meeting, we asked the minister whether he was ready to reduce this obnoxious tax, at least to even cushion Ghanaians. That is to say, even if you won't listen to the NDC, at least would you listen to the people of Ghana, the mobile operators, 
mobile money operators and all those in the industry and reduce it. The minister said that he wanted a certain revenue, and so he would not reduce it. But let me assure the people of Ghana, like the ranking said, the NDC remains resilient, committed, and determined to fight for the ordinary Ghanaian. This is just the beginning. We are poised for the floor and would encourage you to follow what happens at plenary and on the floor. You heard the voices of first the ranking member on the Finance Committee of Parliament, Dr. Kesolato Forsen, followed by the member of Parliament for Yape Kusogu, John Abdullah Dinapo. So that was what happened earlier um, in Parliament. Now let's go live and speak to Duke Mensa Opoku, who is currently in Parliament, um, to bring us an update. Good evening, Duke. Now, what has been the majority side's um, position, or I mean the majority side on the Finance Committee's position on the issues raised by the ranking member? Well, the majority, um, the majority side on the Finance Committee is, is, is yet to officially on the matter. It's just that um, before, um, I mean, on the floor of Parliament, when another loan agreement was being considered, uh, 103 million um, euro facility uh, for the uh, Go Green Ghana landscape and small, mine, small scale mining project. That's a, a loan of 103 million with a ground component of 75, with a ground component of 28 million and a loan component of 75 million. That's just been approved. It was during the approval of this loan agreement, which has got nothing to do with the E-Levy, that the um, deputy majority in the African market indicates, based on, uh, I mean, responding to a concern that government was going too much, they indicated that it is because of this, government wants to stop borrowing, or wants to put a stop to borrowing. And because of that, I mean, in view of that, and if you want to stop borrowing, you have to be able to raise finances within. That's how come government is bent on ensuring that EC levy or electronic transfer uh, uh, levy bill is, is, is passed through parliament and is again for actually increasing members on the other side, the members of the minority to support government in its effort to raise uh, revenue from, from, from within instead of going out to borrow, which, of course, uh, the, the, the minority uh, was, have been complaining about. I mean, the statement that was being made before the approval of uh, a loan that uh, a loan for the Ministry of Land and Natural Resources to, to, to oversee this uh, Ghana landscape and um, small-scale mining project, a loan that has just been approved. So that is, I mean, in, in terms of just the majority things, that, that, that would be what comes close to finding out what their reasoning is on this matter. Because after the minority address the briefing, and it is not done that. I think it's close, uh, just chosen to focus on, on, on the business on the floor of power, which uh, they are um, determined to, to push through at this critical moment in time, we hope uh, Parliament actually rises um, later today, we are told. So there's not been any official communication from the majority yet, but um, the only indication we've got this is, 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 is what uh, was laid down the floor of the House by the deputy majority that Alexander Afenomak. We know what they think when the uh, report of the Finance Committee and how the process was arrived at and how the processes went, because as, as, as it stands now, we only know... Uh, the mind of the minority, as we ex- expressly uh, communicated, mm. that has been granted early on, um, and this afternoon, right after the meeting of the finance committee, which started around 10 a.m. All right, we, we know or we have broadcasted that Parliament is supposed to vote on the e levy today. Now, we were picking proceedings live, um, but it ha- appears that um, other issues are being debated from. Where you sit, 
does it look like the issue on the e-levy is going to come up again and are they going to make a final determination today? Yes, it will come up. The e-levy, no matter what happens, actually today will be considered from the information we are picking up. And it's a very bulky order paper they are considering today. If you look at it, very bulky. The e-levy is actually motion 64. Motion 64 for the second reading where the debate uh, would, would actually unfold, where the majority and the minority will have the opportunity to lay the, um, the, the, the policy and think why they are correct and why they are against it. Before it goes into the consideration, if you look at the other paper, there's no, not really any amendment that has been proposed. And I think earlier on in the world clip uh, from the um, ranking member on the committee, understand why no amendments were proposed. All the amendments were shut down by, by sheer use of numbers and the casting votes of the chairman of the finance committee. So if you look at today's order paper, the order paper with which parliament is actually proceeding and doing its business uh, today, uh, we don't have any amendment proposed to the e-levy. It means that if it comes to a vote and, the, uh, and we need just a simple majority to pass this, to pass this when it comes to a vote, that means that the bill has in this, in this kind of form which includes all the things that we've spoken about, 1.75% in terms of the rate, uh, the, the, the scope of the levy, mobile money transfers, the exemption, 100, 100 Ghana cities threshold, all those want to be captured and, and passed. So we are waiting patiently for the voting to be done. As we speak now, it's, um, a number of loan agreements that are being passed. We've had cut calls and shouts from the uh, back bench of the minority calling on the leadership of the House, especially the front bench of the majority, to just get to the energy so that the work is done on it and then the House can then proceed to, 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 to rise for, for the Christmas uh, facilities. But it's a tall list. It has a, a lot of I mean, loan agreements. Some of them were even made just before the House went into I mean, the, the consideration of, of, of public public business. So uh, I, I don't know the kind of uh, conversation that we had among the leaders, especially as when they consider it. Don't know if Parliament, is tradition over the years, would want to wait deep into the night to consider this critical bill. Because, I mean, the recent past, some of these, and it really happened on Friday, critical I mean, loan agreement for the purchase of fighter jets for the uh, Ghana Armed Force. That was considered well after, well after 10 p.m. I don't know that that's a strategy or what the um, leadership would want to do with this, with this energy, but it's motion number 64 on, on, the, on, on, on the other paper today. And apart from the energy, there are a couple of uh, there are other revenue measures as well. There's the amendment to income tax. There's also amendment. Hello, Duke. Hello, Duke. Can you hear me? We seem to have lost um, Duke Mensah Poku, who is our parliamentary um, correspondent, bringing us an update from the floor of parliament. Um, he has indicated that that controversial e-levy, a determination, will be made come with me today. Um, earlier, we heard from the um, ranking member on the Finance Committee, um, Kesola Tofosin, who expressed his displeasure um, about a decision that was made earlier today. This is Eyewitness News. My name is Zoe Abubedu Ado, here with Akusia Ofewa Opoku. We'll take a break here. When we return, we'll get more reactions on the E-Levy. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Let's go back to Parliament and speak to Duke Mensah Poko, um, our parliamentary correspondent. Duke, we lost you uh, momentarily there. Now, numbers in the House has become um, a very critical issue. Now, what can you say about um, what the numbers from both majority and minority side look like, 
like ahead of the vote for the e-levy? Yeah, if, if you look at, if you take a casual look at the um, numbers of the plenary, even as we did this one now, uh, you'd be tempted to think that, well, there are, well, there are no numbers. But if, I mean, in terms of, you think that both sides of the house, you don't have the numbers when, when, when it's required, or you don't have all members of the house. But if you just think, I mean, a step out of the timber to the country, I see a lot of uh, members of parliament there I mean, having other discussions, trying to and put themselves in the best of shape by way of getting something to drink or eat or I mean, prepare themselves for the long haul uh, tonight. So, I mean, if you put all of that together with the members of parliament who are actually seated on their chairs in the timber, uh, they are members, uh, they are coupled with the discussions and conversation with hardware, uh, members of parliament. There's a clear indication that almost every caucus has marked out its numbers to be around. If they are not in the manner, they're probably in the office or in some committee room having some discussion. So that's the point that when it gets, when push comes to shove, you have all members come to, 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 to the floor of the house to engage in any voting if need be. So then, we have members of parliament from our digital resources and from the hit, indicate that almost any member of parliament is within the principle of parliament, if not at the moment on the floor of the house. All right. Now, the Speaker of Parliament um, is not in his seat. Um, any reasons? Yes. Because he was presiding um, when the, the, yes, the process yes. in the House began. Uh, yes, these, these things happen most of the time when the Speaker is sitting. And he has the prerogative. He, he has other business to attend to. Um, he, would, he, 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 he exits the chair, especially when they are not... I wouldn't say, of course, every issue that's considered by Parliament is weak, but there are issues matters. And the speaker decides to return to do uh, other things. You remember that the speaker is not just, does not only preside over this, it's also the administrative, it's also the head of the, the institution of parliament. And the administration, he also has to take care of that may require his attention. So the speaker doesn't spend all his time in the, in the, chamber, of, in the chamber of parliament. And also note that if all things, all things in the court, the house may go on research tonight. You have to work on it, have to take anything that is to work. Will be delivered. There are other matters that will require the attention of parliament goes on this. So, I mean, I'm not saying this for a fact, but, but, but uh, conventional, what we know of what happens in parliament, the speaker may just be taking a break to put other things in order before he comes back. I'm sure he will be presiding over uh, the discussions around the email because I'm not sure the majority caucus would want one of the members or the majority group would want one of the members in the speaker's chair and such a critical vote going on. He deprived them of a vote, or even that matter has established all manner of interpretation now, as, as, as we speak. So, when it comes to those critical issues that require vote, the speaker will come back with his chair. But for now, it's normal practice for the speaker to leave his chair and get either to the second day, depending on who is available, depending on constraints, to come and sit and decide the second and direct access up until it comes back to his So, it's, it's a normal practice. Especially when it's the contribution of law and tax leaders as the time happens. All right, thank you very much. Um, that was our parliamentary correspondent, Duke Mensah Opoku. This is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. You can get interactive. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Zoe Abubedu and tweet at me. Now, Babamo in Tamale says, I think the Ilevi Bruhaha should have been suspended um, because the way the NDC minority 
um, wants to use the e because the NDC minority wants to use the e-levy issues to score political points. I suggest that government should quit the e-levy. A lot of Ghanaians are not happy about it. Now, Prince Henry Nkoforidua says it's pathetic and disheartening. The NPP government is bent on implementing the e-levy, no matter what Ghanaians say. What shall it benefit the Nana Baumia-led NPP government e-levy? If e-levy is implemented and the plights of Ghanaians get worse. Hashtag City Newsroom. Fuseini Salifu in Kaswazungu says the wailing and murmuring of NDC minority in parliament cannot change the position of the government on the e-levy. Uh, as for the e-levy, it is non-negotiable. We need money to develop this country. Let's bring you more reactions on the e-levy. The Mobile Money Agents Association of Ghana has threatened to embark on a demonstration on Thursday, December 23, 2021, against the proposed 1.75% e-levy by the government. The controversial e-levy seeks to impose a 1.75% charge on all electronic transactions above a 100 Ghana CD threshold. According to the Mobile Money Agents, the regressive levy would only lead to the collapse of their business in the country and worsen the unemployment situation. Here is the General Secretary of the Mobile Money Agents Association, Ivan Sotumfo, speaking to City News on the intended industrial action. We have come to the conclusion that um, the proposed 1.75 e-levy, if it should be passed, uh, it means that um, our businesses are going to collapse. It is actually going to worsen the deteriorating condition in the mobile money industry. And so as an association and its members, it became very necessary for us to take an action to draw government's attention to the fact that, yes, for the payments of taxes, but for this particular levy that government intends to bring on board, I mean, it is really not going to be helpful for the survival of the industry. I mean, it is going to serve as a basis for a lot of unemployment to Okay, It is going to be a, a two-front-line action. One will be a demonstration, hopefully, and then those who wouldn't be able to join the demonstration will be, you know, having their outlets closed. You have the, the General Secretary of the Mobile Money Agents Association, Evans Otumfo. This is still Eyewitness News. We're taking a breather here. Still to come, former president John Mahama takes a swipe at President Ekufado and he has described him as a poor leader. And he's also been given some answers to the president's question on proffering an answer on what policy the NDC has made in the last five years. We'll be bringing you that story and others after this break. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back. Former flag bearer of the National Democratic Congress in the 2020 elections, John Mahama, has described President Kufuado as a poor leader who has carved a niche for himself as a good campaigner. John Mahama was responding to comments by the president that the NDC had not offered any policy to change the fortunes of the country in the last five years. In a post on his social media platforms, the former president hit at Nanado claiming that the president had not given attention to the NDC's manifesto and the number of policies in it. He further urged President Ekufuado to take his responsibility seriously and focus on working to change the plight of Ghanaians. 
Away from that, the Coalition of Aggrieved Customers of Men's Gold has expressed dissatisfaction with the process by which the defunct gold dealership firm plans to pay back some customers. The company on Sunday announced that it will start payment of 181 vetted customers on Monday, December 20. But according to the National Vice Chairman of the Coalition, Francis Owusu, the selection of these customers lacks transparency. He added that only 18 of the names on the list are members of the Coalition. I am a, a bit uh, disappointed about the way Amana and Anapia Mesa uh, has gone about this payment schedule. Because right from day one, uh, we were of the view that since we are major uh, stakeholders in this women go saga, at least you are giving us the opportunity to also bring a, a, an input into the whole process. But it seems all that he's doing is a one-man show. And the criteria that he even used to select uh, to come out of this list, as, as we speak, we don't know because the, the content of the letter doesn't indicate to us that maybe this is the criteria that we, he used to uh, call it that uh, data. Out of the uh, 181 names that came, we have 18 of our customers that have been conferred uh, to us from all the various uh, uh, branches that is Takwa, Kumasi, and Accra. Francis Owusu, however, says that none of his members have received any payment yet. As we speak, we have not heard that uh, from our members that they have placed a call to them or they have wired the money through their account. We are monitoring our various, we have various platforms, so we, are, we, are, we have uh, issued a communicate to the platform that anybody who receives a call or get payment through uh, Momo or Bank Transfer should also let us know that uh, this is what's so that by the close of the day we can also come out with a, a press release in relation to the whole process. That was the vice chairman of the Coalition of Aggrieved Customers of Men's Gold, Francis Owusu. The families of affected victims of the Ijura disturbances are calling for budgetary allocation to pay compensation for affected families of the disturbance. This follows a petition presented to the Speaker of Parliament and the Defence and Interior Committee of Parliament a week ago to push for the payment of compensation compensation to affected families and victims of the Ijura disturbances. The report by the three-member ministerial committee that probed the disturbances recommended, amongst other things, the removal of the MC for Ijura and compensation for affected families and victims. However, the affected families say they are yet to receive any compensation from government several months after the recommendation was made. Brother of the late Kaka Nafiu Ibrahim has been outlining details of the, of the petition presented to the Speaker of Parliament and the Defence and Interior Committee of Parliament. First, we did submit the part of the Speaker of Parliament to the Secretary. At that time, Speaker is not in town, so we did submit said it to the Secretary. And we met the Interior Defence and Committee, uh, Defence and Interior Committee. We met, we met the MP for Jurassic Dimasi, Alaji Ibrahim Abawa Brema, who is a member of it. We equally also met Agalga. I remember the full name, but I remember we met Agalga. The petition was given to them as representatives of the committee. Although we could not get the composition of all the members at that time, so we did give the, the petition to them to be submitted to the full house of the committee. The committee needs to be I can clearly tell you that since 
report was out up to date, no family has received any compensation from any government or government official. So after that, there is no even communication between the families and the government officials. So the assurance given to us by the members of the Defense and Interior Committee and the Secretary of the uh, Speaker of Parliament is that they will do the needful. He further disclosed that the conditions of affected family members and surviving victims are fast deteriorating because of the lack of funds for psychological and medical treatment. When the report was released out, there was a recommendation within the report that the affected families and the affected individuals who lost their lives will be compensated. That is to say, Muntala and Abdelmatar Yusuf that those who lost their lives. Added to that is the injured individuals, Mizbawa Awal, Nazif, and Dada. Right. So when since the report was released up to now, there is no any communication up to now to that. So we are of the view that necessary thing will be done and maybe in the budgetary allocation something will be talked about that. So we realized after the budget was out there is nothing talking about that. So we decided to petition the Defense and Interior Committee in Parliament as well as the Speaker of Parliament. You heard there Nafiu Mohammed, who is the brother of the late Ibrahim Mohammed, popularly called Kaka. The Anti-Galamse Tax Force, Delta Tax Force, has arrested three suspected illegal miners, including an 18-year-old woman at Setrebois in the Wasa East District of the Western Region. In its operation yesterday, Delta Task Force, which is part of Operation Halt 2, confiscated some items found at the site, including four Shangfang machines and one toolbox. In a release issued by the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources today, it warned that it will continue to wage war against illegal mining activities and to protect Ghana's forests and natural resources while promoting responsible mining at all levels. The Greater Accra Regional Police Motor Traffic and Transport Department, MTTD, stormed the Central Business District this morning in an attempt to decongest the area. The Central Business District has been choked with attendant traffic as traders have taken over portions of the street. The regional, operation, the regional commander, DCOP Martin Ayi, tells City News his outfit has engaged the traders to sensitize them on the need to comply with the directive from the Accra Metropolitan Assembly, allowing them to sell on the pavement during the festive season. The exercise appears tough as the traders return to the road once the officers move further. But DCOP Martin Ayi tells City News they'll sustain the exercise to make commuting easy within the central business district this festive season. You can see that the street is virtually occupied by traders who have come to display their wares on the street, preventing commuters and the vehicle from plying. I think this is not a normal thing that we should do. So our, the purpose of being here is to clear the road so that road users as well as other uh, vehicles could have access to move around freely without any hindrance. It looks like the impunity with which this has been done is quite intense. How sustainable is this exercise? Yes, you, you, you are right. Uh, for the past two weeks, what we are doing now, we've been doing it. But it looks as if uh, the message is not going down well. But what do we do? We still have to persistence. Persistently, we have to drive, drive them from the street. Maybe that will do the, the magic. Of course, to, for your information, we have uh, arrested or taken some of the, 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 the few recalcitrant ones to court. But the, the, about, about six of them. But the courts are not sitting. That's why we, we, we don't know the verdict of whatever, whatever will happen over there. But we hope and pray that the judges will understand this and give punitive punishment to those who... In fact, we are not talking about the pavement. 
We are talking about the road itself. You can see for yourself. People have gone beyond the pavement and they are selling in the street. And this is all we are against. That was the Greater Accra Regional Commander of the Motor Traffic and Transport Department, DCOP Martin Ayi. This is still eyewitnesses. My name is Zoe Abubeduado. You just heard Akusia Ofewa Opoku. Now, the National Communications Officer of the National Democratic Congress, Sami Jemfi, has sued government over the compulsory vaccination of travelers. You would recall that last, somewhere last week, um, government held um, a press briefing where it outlined some measures it had put in place ahead of the Yuletide to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Sixtus Dong Olo joins me in studio and we have uh, to give us more perspective of why Sami Jinfi is suing um, government. Good, after good evening, Sixtus. Good evening, so Zoe. What, what is contained in that writ? Well, we have, we have uh, an application that stands in the name of uh, three persons. Uh, Sami Jinfi, who is the NDC's National Communication Officer, we have Bernard Aka uh, Blay, who is, uh, well, we, we are still not sure who he is yet. But generally, these would all be described as uh, Ghanaians. Mm. Uh, that would be the capacity in which this would come. Uh, we have uh, Mauko K. Kwame, uh, whose address is also indicated. And uh, we have Ama Sapong, uh, Beris Ama Sapong. So these are the four persons who have decided to go to court against the Attorney General, um, the Ghana Health Service and the Ghana Airport Company uh, Limited on this question of uh, mandatory uh, vaccination. The application that we have seen uh, shows that uh, it, it, it comes on notice. Uh, so the other parties have been put on notice that this is um, happening and it was filed today, uh, just this afternoon. Uh, that was when it was filed at the um, High Court. They are asking for uh, some uh, declarations to be made in the matter. So if you would recall, the discussion has always been on whether uh, a, a person has the right to choose to be vaccinated or not. Mm -hmm. We have even had this on our, our uh, TV program, City TV, uh, a question of law, yeah. uh, whether in the light of uh, public health uh, rules and regulations, uh, uh, the, the state can mandate us to uh, vaccinate or uh, we have a right to choose whether or not we want to take the job. So they are asking the High Court to make a declaration that the impugned directives of the respondents breach or threaten to breach the applicant's fundamental human rights as enshrined under Article 21.1G of the 1992 uh, Constitution. Also, um, all of that are uh, declarations that they are seeking. Uh, they want the court to make that declaration that the the um, the respondent violated Section 2.1 of the Imposition of Restrictions Act 2020 Act. 1012 and sections 21 22 and 30 of the public health act 2012 and therefore illegal uh, see they want a declaration that the impugned directives of the respondents contravene the guidelines of the food and drugs authority ghana on the administration of emergency use authorized medical products and same are unreasonable uh, d a declaration that the directives 
contravene the guidelines of the World Health Organization regarding proof of COVID-19 vaccination for international travels, uh, travelers, and that same is unreasonable. A declaration that directives uh, contravene medical ethics mm. and best practice practices that govern COVID-19 vaccine administration. If an order of certiorari to bring before the Honorable Court the directives of the respondents to be quashed as having been made without any constitutional or legal and or reasonable basis whatsoever. And G, an order of prohibition and or uh, injunction directed at the uh, respondents, their agents assigned restraining them jointly or severally from taking any steps contained in the directives regarding or relating to the implementation of compulsory COVID-19 vaccination at Kotoka International Airport, constituting restrictions on the freedom of entry into Ghana mm. of citizens and the freedom of leaving Ghana of all persons. So, in sum, there are three things that they're asking from the Human Rights Court. Number one, for the court to declare that um, these directives that have been given infringe on the rights of the four applicants we have seen and that they are unreasonable as per the public health order, per guidelines of vaccination, World, World Health Organization, and also uh, those of the Food and Drugs Authority. Mm. Number two, they want the court to quash the directive that has been given. And number three, they want the court to restrain or restrict um, government from forcing the individuals who are applying from taking the job. Uh, if we can refresh our memory, what was government's reason for... Um given this new requirement this basically from the release that we saw uh from the the the, the ghana health service I, I think um two fridays ago where they argued that uh, omicron variant particularly had come in through uh, had come into ghana through the kotoka international airport and the the statement specifically mentioned that if you look at the number of cases that the country has recorded, about 60% of the total case count of the country could be attributed to the uh, Kotoka International Airport entry point. And so government uh, thought that it was necessary to uh, uh, ensure that all persons who are going through or coming into the country country through the Kotoka International Airport, they go through this particular vaccination. Now, the argument had been made by some that if you look at the, 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 the rights of a person, I should choose what happens to my body. It's my body. It's my choice. Th that that's basically has been the uh, refrain that we have heard from uh, uh, the, the, the campaigners against this mandatory uh, uh, vaccination. Again, we have heard those who are against or, or speaking for it say that uh, in a public health emergency such as this, there is no need to say um, your your right should supersede the interest of the larger society. And so, once we have a public health emergency, and we think that if you the individual, you do not get vaccinated and we allow you into the larger po population, you are at risk both to yourself and to the rest of the larger population, then it is the duty of government to force you to take that job in the interest of the people. So these are the two uh, positions that we have seen in the public domain so far. 
And if you would also recall the address by uh, President Akufuado uh, last Sunday, where he said that uh, he, he, he tried to debunk some of the concerns that were in the public domain regarding this mandatory uh, vaccination. And he used a particular example that uh, elsewhere people were arguing that the, the, the vaccine will force you to vote for uh, the NPP or make you an NPP member. Well, mm. there are all sorts of ideas yes. surrounding this. And as to whether they, they, they can be balanced against the right of the individual to choose whether to be vaccinated or not, only the court can pronounce on that. All right, thank you very much. That was Sixtus Dong Ulo. Let's now speak to the National um, Democratic Congress's National Communications Officer, Sami Jemfi, who has filed um, the suit. Now, um, good evening, Sami Jemfi. Now, government has indicated that the Omicron variant is spreading really fast. And one of the measures it has put in place or the requirements is that people should get vaccinated and it's mandatory before you, you get into the country or move out of the country. Why the suit? Um, thank you very much for the opportunity. We have filed this suit because in our opinion, the directives that have been issued by the Ghana Health Service, the Ghana Airport Company, and the President of the Republic of Ghana violate the 1992 Constitution, the Public Health Act of Ghana 2012, the Imposition of Restrictions Act 2020. The directives also violate the guidelines of the Food and Drugs Authority that govern um, the administration of emergency use authorized medical products such as COVID-19 vaccines. We are also saying that the said directives violate the WHO's, that's the World Health Organization, guidelines for um, COVID-19 vaccination relative to international travels. And again, we are saying that the said directives by government relative to compulsory vaccination um, violate or contravene medical ethics and best practices. So we are of the opinion that the directives that government has issued are not in the interest of public health or public safety, and that if the courts do not stop them, they will undermine public health and they will act in ways that is very likely to lead to the avoidable death of many Ghanaians. Because their actions are not only unconstitutional and unlawful, but their actions are very unreasonable and fly in the face of the ethics of the medical perfection relative to the administration of vaccines. And as you know, Ghana is a democratic country governed by the rule of law. And so all acts of government must have basis in law. Unfortunately, we do not think that the directives that have been issued have any basis whatsoever in law, for, for which reason we file this suit, particularly when these directives violate or breach um, our fundamental human rights as citizens of this country. All right. So... It's against the fundamental human rights of any person or Ghanaian who wants to travel inside, or travel to Ghana or vice versa. Have you considered the 
many numbers we are seeing at our airports. The Ghana Health Service um, data indicates that the latest um, cases that we are seeing, and there seems to be a surge, particularly for those who are coming into the country, and most of them are persons who are unvaccinated. Is this not a way or measure to ensure that we, we halt or stop the, the importation of, of the variant? Um, first of all, can you tell me whether vaccination protects people from getting infected with the COVID-19 virus? Does vaccination protect people from getting infected with the COVID-19 virus? Can the vaccines they are imposing on us protect people from getting the Omicron variant or for, 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 from spreading same? The answer is a big no. And they themselves have said it. The CDC has said so. The manufacturers of the vaccines have said so. That even when you take the vaccines, you can take 10 of the vaccines. It will still not protect you from getting the virus. It will not protect you from spreading the virus. There are scientific studies by some of the reputable health agencies in the world have said that fully vaccinated people spread COVID-19 very efficiently. Some other studies that we have attached to the processes we have filed for the consideration of the court shows that the vaccinated even spread COVID-19 far more than the unvaccinated. Either than that, let's apply common sense here. Only today, the government of Ghana has issued new directives that nobody can travel from Israel to Ghana. Why? Because they think that the COVID-19 situation in Israel has arisen to alarming proportions. But Israel has a vaccination rate of 70%. 70% of the Israel population are fully vaccinated. Ghana has a vaccination rate of less than 3%. So if we have a far, far, far better COVID situation than Israel, which has vaccinated about 70% of their population, and now we are saying that they cannot even come to Ghana, why should we be forced to do what Israel has done that has landed them into this problem? So, you see, when you want to solve problems, you proffer or issue solutions that can solve the problems. If you don't want, if you want to prevent people with the Omicron variant or with COVID-19 from coming to Ghana, the solution is not vaccination because vaccination doesn't prevent people from getting infected. The solution is to have a robust testing regime at your airport. It is the COVID-19 status of a person that matters to public health and not his vaccination status. So for example, a fully vaccinated person will still be required to go through a PCR test or a rapid antigen test. If he tests positive, he's a threat to Ghana's public health. He's a coronavirus threat, whether or not he's vaccinated. If he tests negative, he's not a threat. In much the same way, an unvaccinated person can test negative, he's not a threat. So the World Health Organization has said that no country should impose restrictions on international travelers based on vaccination. That is the World Health Organization. Mm. This is the World Health Organization who have declared COVID-19 as a pandemic and who developed all the protocols we are implementing here. The Food and, uh, 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 Food and Drugs Authority of Ghana has also said 
that nobody should force COVID-19 vaccines on people because the vaccines have only been given what is called emergency use authorization. They have neither been cleared, approved, or registered because they are still investigating its efficacy and safety. Why do you want to force such products on people? And your laws have said that, look, you can even do compulsory vaccination. But to do that, you must issue a law called an executive instrument to govern that. Has the president issued any such executive instrument? The answer is no. Has mm. the Ministry of Health done so? The answer is no. So you cannot just behave as if we are in a jungle. Come on, this is a constitutional democracy. Even in a state of emergency, the laws prescribe for how directives, restrictions of human rights should be imposed. Mm. The law says issue an ER. There is no ER. The law says when you're doing compulsory vaccination, exempt persons who have natural, natural immunity, exempt persons who, even if the vaccines are safe, can be injurious to their health because they have certain underlying medical conditions. You go and issue directives and you make no such, none of such exceptions. Okay? And the law has said that even if somebody refuses to comply with a compulsory vaccination order, Section 30 of the Public Health Act says these are the penalties you can impose on that person. Then you decide to throw this away and you decide that citizens of Ghana cannot enter their own country because they are not vaccinated. What law gives you that power? Show me one country in the world, from America to UK to all the countries in the world, that have issued directives that their own citizens cannot enter their own countries because they are not vaccinated. There is not even one country in the whole world, the whole wild world, that has done what President Kufuadu has done in Ghana. All right. You understand? Yeah. So what you are seeking is for travelers. Now, the Ghana Health Service, for instance, has also said that for, for social events, for this Yuletide, um, if you do not have a vaccination card or proof of vaccination, you're not going to be allowed to some social events. Um, some officers are also demanding um, a proof of vaccination effective next year. The Ghana Health Service has um, made that clear as well. I want to, to pick your thoughts on that as well. All those directives are illegal, in our humble opinion. They are unconstitutional. And we believe that they should be tested in court for cause of competent jurisdiction to pronounce on their validity. That is why we have presented this to court. This is our opinion. We may be right or we may be wrong, but we think that the court should pronounce on some of these things. And we will encourage, we would like to encourage those who are affected by the other directives to challenge sin in court. We should not have a situation in Ghana where people will lose their jobs, where people will lose their liberties and their rights. They will not be allowed to go to church. They will not be allowed to go to malls. They will not be allowed to go to the bank, the restaurant, places where human beings go to because they will not take an injection, an injection that our FDA has not approved, our, an injection or a vaccine that has proven to be ineffective. It doesn't protect you from getting an infection. It doesn't protect you from dying from that infection. Mm. It, 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 what we are doing just doesn't make sense. Check all the countries in the world that have higher vaccination rates. Iceland, Portugal, 75% vaccination rate. Israel, how are they faring in their COVID fight? They are all experiencing alarming infection rates. Then those of us in Ghana, 
who have not been vaccinating our people like they have been doing. Mm. We have just been taking the safety protocols seriously, testing seriously, and treatment seriously. But you know we that is really not the case. The lowest cases in the world. But, 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 you know, a lot of people are not abiding by the protocols that have been put in place. Wearing of nose masks, use of hand sanitizers and all. It is... Yeah, if you listen to the president's address to the nation a um, few days ago, he said that for some time now, four regions in Ghana have recorded zero cases of COVID-19. Is that not the case? Didn't he say so? The president said so, right? Now, how come in four regions in Ghana, for almost a month or two, they recorded zero cases of COVID-19. Was it because of vaccination? No. So what have we been doing right mm. that has helped us to achieve this success story? That is the envy of countries that are far, far higher vaccination rates than us. Mm. It is the safety protocols. It is the treatment of our people. And maybe certain advantages we have with weather and other things. So, yes, you can encourage people to take the vaccine. You can educate and sensitize the people to take the vaccine. We are saying that don't force people to take it against their will. Because mm. you yourself, you cannot vouch for the safety of what you are giving them and the efficacy of safety. And again, those right. who manufacture the vaccine themselves have given clear contraindication guidelines, exceptions where you cannot give people vaccine. You are not even respecting that. You want to kill people in the name of COVID-19 vaccination? You want to give COVID-19 vaccines to HIV patients, people with advanced diabetes, advanced kidney problems, what the doctors call immunocompromised conditions? All right. That's what they want to do to kill people here? No. We need to challenge it and allow the court to pronounce judgment. We have done our part as responsible citizens. And it's a hope that others will join with us. Very well. And us with us to challenge the other illegal and unconstitutional uh, directives. Thank you. Very well. Um, that was the National Communications Officer of the National Democratic Conference, uh, Congress, I beg your pardon, Sami Jainfi. Please stay tuned. We have the business news with Neteli Neti up next. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News is brought to you by Vodafone. Let's settle for the details now. The American Chamber of Commerce Ghana has assured of more profitable collaborations between Ghanaian and American businesses at the as the first year of the implementation of the African Continental Free Trade Area after comes to an end. According to the Chamber, it has put in place measures to further deepen trade relations between American businesses and their Ghanaian counterparts as, as to enhance the activities, expand intra-regional trade, and capture new foreign direct investments under the agreement. Aisha Bedwi Ibe is the president of the American Chamber of Commerce Ghana and she spoke to City Business News at the commissioning of the new office of the chamber at East Legon in Accra. So as you know, American Chamber of Commerce in Ghana is all about building trade and relationships between Ghana and America. Now that we have this bigger and enlarged space, we're going to have a dedicated space for the AFCTA 
Resource Center, which is where we can analyze bills, bring our members together, and influence how these legislations affect business between our two countries. It's also given us a space where we can meet more regularly. Prior to this, we had to meet in various locations because our previous office was too small to house us at the level at which we had grown to. So this is, just gives us a safe space, a personal space where we can interact more closely and promote the businesses of our members. But in terms of boosting trade between our countries, Amcham has always been really active. So through our various programs, of which we have several next year, a notable one that I'm personally looking forward to and actually is a pet project of mine, is an investment forum which is looking at how Ghanaian businesses can invest in America. And that is you know, a first because most of the things that we do as a country and even as a, as a continent focuses on inward coming investment. But I believe that Ghanaian businesses have what it takes to actually set up and open and do trade in the US. So we are looking to support them through providing all the necessary support, logistics, resource personnel in one room to teach and show our entrepreneurs of small and medium-sized businesses how they can take their businesses to the next level and trade on the US continent. That was the president of the American Chamber of Commerce, Ghana, Aisha Bedue Ibe. Should the controversial electronic transfer levy, e-levy bill, be passed successfully in Parliament today, mobile money operators in the country, particularly operators of Airtel Tigo Money and MTN Momo, will reduce their person-to-person -person transfer fees by up to 25%, depending on the respective operator. This is according to the Ghana Chamber of Telecommunications. A statement issued by the Telecommunications Chamber notes that the decision to reduce the transfer fees comes after various stakeholder engagements on the issue and a desire to reduce the overall impact of the new levy on consumers. Vodafone currently has no charges and will thus not be affected by any downwards revision of the fees. Each operator is expected to notify their customers of the applicable revised rate when the e-levy bill is passed into law. The Bank of Ghana has announced that the Economic and Organized Crime Office has frozen and or impounded some assets of shareholders, directors or management of the field savings and loans companies, finance houses and microfinance institutions. According to the central bank, the move is to help with reimbursements of the claims of the claimants of these defunct institutions. There's more in the following business desk report. According to the Bank of Ghana, the move by the Economic and Organized Crime Office, IOKO, is expected to cover 10 microfinance institutions and 10 savings and loans firms that were liquidated by the receiver appointed by the central bank. Key amongst the list of 10 savings and loans companies are Ideal Finance, GN Savings and Loans, CDH Savings and Loans, Midland Savings and Loans, among others. The list of microfinance institutions include Goldman Capital Microfinance, CIG Microfinance, Noble Dream Microfinance, and Nationwide Microfinance, among others. According to a statement by the Central Bank, the Economic and Organized Crime Office is taking this action after conducting independent investigations as to how the shareholders and directors of these defunct institutions contributed to their collapse. This comes after the central bank cited a number of potentially criminal actions on the part of these institutions and their shareholders, directors or management, following the revocation of the licenses of these defunct savings and loans companies, finance houses and microfinance institutions in 2019. The Yoko, however, noted that it has already made recommendations to the Attorney General's Department and is working assiduously with the department 
towards the speedy prosecutions of persons suspected to have been complicit in the failures of these institutions. In a related development, the Economic and Organized Crime Office says it is investigating some persons and institutions over possible financial crime. This comes after these persons and institutions persistently made fake payments of large sums of money remitted through their banks but have been withheld by the central bank. These claimants often attach documentations alleged to be messaging from the SWIFT International Funds Transfer System as proof of the receipt and retention of their funds by the central bank. Ioko has, however, made significant progress in these investigations and has initiated prosecution in some of these cases, while investigations in other cases continue. That was a City Business News Desk report. The government has been advised to commit adequate resources towards increasing domestic food production in the country. This follows the continuous contribution of food to the country's rising inflation figures. Inflation currently stands at 12.2%, the highest since the rebasing of the Consumer Price Index in August 2019. Prices of major food items such as maize and onions have experienced significant increases within the year. In an interview with City Business News, an economist with the University of Ghana Business School, Dr. Patrick Isuming, said government must do more to increase food production as a way of controlling prices. Since, uh, since the COVID, we've seen that uh, food prices have been the major driver. Even in this particular release, we realize that the food inflation is way higher. It's about 13.1. And then on food is higher, uh, it's relatively low. And we also see the imported inflation is much lower than the domestic inflation. So it appears that the domestic sector, the domestic production is not doing as well. And, you know, at this point where food production should have done much better, we haven't. Part of this is that because of the COVID and the restrictions, especially on our land borders, maybe we are not getting as much food imports, especially for our neighboring West African countries. But you know, it also should have been an opportunity for us to ramp up our own domestic production. It looks like even though we've locked that, we've closed our borders for a while, I think domestic production hasn't responded as much because in spite of all the investment we've made through the planting for food and jobs, it appears that there are still challenges. Um, earlier in the year, we had a lot of complaints about fertilizers. And then this year also, we heard that the rains have not been, the, the timing of the rain has not been to the expectation of the farmers. So, all of this might help explain why food, uh, food inflation is still going up. So the major driver is food inflation. That means the government needs to pay a little bit more attention to solve the long-standing problems in the agri-sector. There's a lot of talk, there's a lot of discussion about the agri-sector, but obviously, in periods like this, we realize that we haven't really solved all the bottlenecks. That was an economist with the University of Ghana Business School, Dr. Patrick Isuming. Vivo Energy Ghana, Shell's exclusive licensee in Ghana, has urged its main retailers to actively embrace the digital platforms they are introducing across the country. With sweeping changes across the oil and gas value chain around the world, stakeholders are being challenged to find ways to adapt their businesses to be competitive. Speaking to City Business News on the sidelines of the Vivo Energy Ghana Retail Awards Ceremony for the year 2020 and 2021 on behalf of the Managing Director, the supply and distribution manager at Vivo Energy, Rendo Vidome, noted that an adoption of digitalization will boost their sales. 
The digitalization of our systems will offer you, our retailers and frontline staff, convenience, efficiency, real-time access, and visibility over station operations, irrespective of time and location. To our consumers, this offers convenience, speed of service, assurance of service quality, and quantity of product dispensed. To this end, Vivo Energy has added to its digital platform, Microsoft Anywhere 365, a much more feature-rich and modest tool for the management of our customer service center. We have also introduced VeServe, a 24-hour self-service portal that allows our retailers to transact business with the company at their convenience and comfort. In addition, we relaunched the Customer Champion app, an online training and communication portal for Focus, Loop Bay, and Shop, shop staff to support their development and growth in this changing market space. That was a supply and distribution manager at Vivo Energy, speaking on behalf of the managing director, Randolph Dome. And that'll be all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was brought to you by Vodafone. Together we can, and powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Natalie Nete. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Welcome back to the Point Blank segment of Eyewitness News. Now, government has placed a travel restriction on all travelers arriving from Israel, South Korea and Malta effective today, Monday, December 2020-21, citing concerns over the spread of the new Omicron coronavirus coronavirus variant. In a statement, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Regional Integration says government does not recognize any vaccine certificates from Malta. It further states that the ban on travelers from Israel and South Korea would be a temporary restriction for a 14-day period. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Regional Integration indicates that travelers will have to obtain permission from its office for entry and also will allow for entry only to under, only exceptional humanitarian cases or during official travels. Let's speak to the presidential advisor on health, Dr. Um, Insian Sari. We're going to speak about a wide range of issues um, with regards to um, the Omicron variant and what government, um, the, 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 what government is doing um, ahead of the Christmas festivities. Good evening, sir. Now, we know government has given directives. We know government has put in place um, certain requirements um, as we prepare for the Yuletide, which begins this weekend. Now, from where you sit, um, what are the numbers looking like with regards to the new variant of the COVID-19 um, that the country is faced with? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I cannot tell you what the numbers look like uh, of the Omicron uh, uh, screen that we have in the country. I can tell you in general what 
the numbers are the total number of positives. The reason why I'm saying that is that the uh, type of strain of... Hello, Doc. Yes. Hello. Hello, do you hear me? Hello, Dr. Ansian, sorry. Yes. We seem to be having a challenge um, to Hello. the line. Hello? Doc, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hello, Dr. Ansian, sorry. Um, So while we try to raise Dr. Insiansari um, on, um, I was going through the advisory by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Okay, we have Dr. Insiansari back on the line. Um, Doc, you were explaining the positive numbers that we have. Yes, thank you very much once again. Yes, uh, you asked me a question, what number of uh, Omicron uh, virus do you have in the country? And I said that won't be difficult because we have to do the genomic sequencing first before we tell you which types are dominant in the country. And normally we get a report at the end of the month. So let's mm. wait to sit till the end of the month. But what we know, which I can tell you of fact, is that we had the first cases from coming from outside. They were all um, imported cases into the country. And recently, we know that immediately you get imported cases into the country. It's likely that you have also community spread. We have a few among uh, the positive cases that we have in the community. So we take it that it is widespread among the positive cases in the country. Is there That's a search? Why... Mm. Please go yeah. ahead. Yeah, okay, ask your question, please. Okay, I, I was asking if there is a surge in the COVID numbers that we have currently, I mean, comparing the figures from previous weeks. Yeah, there's, there, we, are, we are going up a bit. There's uh, some slight surge. Because we came as lower down as a single, in fact, a single figures, and then we had uh, the tens, and now we are in hundreds. Um, on the 17th of December, that's the last, the last uh, report that we have. I we have about um, 80, uh, 509 cases in all from the night, midnight of 15 December to the midnight of uh, 17 December. 86 of them are from uh, the airport testing. In fact, yesterday, I also saw that the airport testing, we had about 91 cases. And uh, the rest are mainly from Greater Accra. So Greater Accra is still having a lot of cases. 
airport started having a lot of cases. There were about 60% of the cases were from airport till about a week ago where we're having more um, local transmission and having more cases from people who have not returned from outside the country. So that's why mm. we are trying as much as possible that we know that there's going to be a lot of people coming from uh, outside the country, from Europe, from America, and from all other parts of the country. Some of them are all compatriots who are outside who want to come and spend the Christmas holidays here. And we are also aware that there's a fourth wave in America, in the uh, in Europe, and also in Asia, and some parts of Africa. So luckily, and there are lockdowns also going on in some parts of the world. And uh, what we see is that Christmas time, most people come home because uh, we are slightly and mm. relatively safe than the other countries. So we are expecting a lot of visitors in the country. All right. Finally, before you go, um, some citizens have sued the state with the um, requirements of vaccinating, the, the mandatory vaccination for persons coming into Ghana and persons traveling out of the country. Is well, government or is government uh, considering, based on all the... Um, 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 criticisms that have come as a result of this directive. Is government considering to relook at this? The government is not considering relooking. And I want to correct some impression. There's nothing like mandatory vaccination for any citizen or for that matter, anybody who is outside this country. What we are saying is very simple. If you go to some countries, they've put some people on red alert, isn't it? There are some countries which are on red in some, uh, that you cannot go there. There are some countries who have locked down parts of the cities and some of the towns in the country. And there are countries who will not even allow anybody to enter their country. All what we are saying is that if you want to come to Ghana from outside Ghana, make sure that when you are coming, you are vaccinated. So it is two ways. Either if you don't want to be vaccinated before you come to Ghana, then maybe we have to stay there for some time and make sure that when we all in this country have given vaccination to a lot of our people so that there will be few vulnerable people in the country, they can come and visit us. So we are not forcing anybody. Ghana government is not arresting people and giving them vaccination. So I want to repeat it again. Mm. that there's nothing like mandatory vaccination in this country. And two, those who are vaccinated also have rights, like those who are not vaccinated. Everybody has a right. If you look at the Public Health Act, it states that the rights of people, even in the Constitution, if you look first, I'll quote the Constitution. The Constitution, Article 14, 1D, maybe if you can go and have a look at it, it states that the rights of individuals are also limited, especially in times of pandemic or in times of contagious, when there's a contagious disease, or there's uh, an infectious disease. And I think you agree with me that COVID-19 is an infectious disease. Mm. It's contagious. It infects easily. So we want to save lives and save people's livelihoods. So we are protecting the life of the 31 million Ghanaians and also trying to save the livelihoods of the 31 million Ghanaians in the country. Mm. So if you are somewhere where there is vaccines, there are a lot of abundance of vaccines everywhere, uh, in, especially in Europe and America. Okay. And you decide, it's your will, it's your wish that you don't want to be vaccinated. Good. All right. And we are telling you that when you want to come to this country, 
please make sure that you are fully vaccinated. All right. Thank you. Simple as that. All right. Thank you very much. And that is Dr. Anthony Insiasari, and he's the presidential advisor on health. That'll be all for this edition of Eyewitness News. My name is Zoe Abubedu Adosho, produced by Sixtus Dong Uno. Sitter News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.